welcome to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Van Eyck, and in this episode, I interview an industry professional who has been involved in both the learn to swim and coaching side of aquatics and has spread the knowledge of aquatics across Queensland, Australia, and many more countries. So please extend a big welcome to the podcast for Alina Graham. Alina has been involved with aquatics in some way since turning 16, and after a baptism of cold water, she started working with her coach running the Learn to Swim program connected with his program. Using the skills she learned, Alina began training new swim teachers and worked part-time in the education department. Alina had the ambition to become an Olympic swimming coach until the passing of a friend made her reassess what she wanted for her life. A short break from the industry helped her realise how much she missed the interaction and the achievements of her swimmers. With her wealth of knowledge, Alina has been called on to advise and rewrite a number of aquatic courses and programs. Recovering from her own health scare, Alina now runs the aquatic facility at Quilpie in Outback Queensland. Alina enjoys bringing swimming lessons and other fun aquatic activities to her rural community and finds her community is highly engaged when it comes to aquatics. Through today's episode, Alina shares some insights into her work as well as her thoughts on swimming and where she sees swimming moving to into the future. So please share the hidden gems you find in Alina's interview on our Facebook page, Aquatic Mentors, and you will find all her contact details at the end of our show notes. If you want to share your aquatic story, please contact me via my email, regionalswimclinics at outlook.com. I would love to be able to share your aquatic journey with my audience. And check out our website, aquaticmentors.com.au, for our season one ebook. So let's dive in and find out more about Alina's journey in swimming. So, Alina, how did you start your journey in swimming? I was 16 at the time, and my coach was looking for another teacher because the one he had had a little girl going back, uh, her grandmother was going back to work, so she was the babysitter. So the teacher couldn't work anymore and he had advertised, he had looked outside, he couldn't get anyone so he decided to look within I guess the club and for some reason picked me and so he asked me if I wanted to do the job and I went sure, not sure if I like kids. <laughs> you know I was only 16 at the time because you know and I didn't really have much connection with little kids in, in my family environment with friends and what I had a little bit and then so I said sure I'll give it a go let's go and literally I think I was asked on Thursday or Friday and I was in the water teaching on the Monday. Wow straight in. Straight in and literally it was I had my own class and I would you know the the teacher that was teaching me was telling me what to do and literally I just remember holding this kid going what do I do next? (laughs) (laughs) That was my education into teaching swimming so you know everyone nowadays is is a lot more blessed than what I was and I was in a 50 meter pool freezing cold with water up to here wind draft coming here full wetsuits thermals everything so that was my introduction at 16 to teaching swimming wow a true baptism of fire 
Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Baptism of cold water, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't you love it? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. would have been nice if it was warm water. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, it became quite resilient. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You learn quick. <laughs> so how did that progress to what you're doing now? Oh, gosh. It, it was interesting. It's one of those natural progressions, I guess, is that so I worked with this coach for nine years. So I worked under him at the pool I was at. He was there for another, I think, he was only there for another six months. And then he got another contract elsewhere and he was really happy with the way I was progressing. He said, you pick up quick. You're one of the best learn to swim teachers I've seen. And I was still in year 12, I think. And he said, look, if I come and pick you up every afternoon from school, will you come and work for me? So that's what he did every afternoon after school, three o'clock, I had the race down and he picked me up and off we went. And so I worked for him again, I think it was at least another five or six years. And then he got another pool and I ended up becoming a head coach from there. So in between all of that, I was studying my phys ed degree. So my uh, secondary phys ed degree. And so I was working obviously, you know, in the, in that area as well. And then I think what happened after uni is I got offered to be an Auslim presenter in late 1990s, I think. So, it's, yeah, it's been a while now. And when did I finish uni? No, it would have been early mid. Yeah, so I started uni in 1993 and I think I was offered Auslim presenting in 94, 95. And then when I finished uni, I got offered to lecture at uni in the phys ed department delivering aquatics. So... Yeah. Yeah, so they rang me up and said, look, we don't like, we want to change, not that we don't like, actually we don't like the structure, what do you foresee? And I said, well, for me, assessing me on how well I swim is not going to be very good as a teacher because it's not how well I swim whether I'm going to be a good teacher, it's whether I can actually deliver the aquatic program. So I pretty much rewrote their whole aquatic curriculum for university and basically wrote it so it was teaching teachers how to teach swimming and then we brought the Swim into that as part of the qualification as well yeah. with that process so I taught at uni uh, in that area and I did a lot of the other I, I ended up branching out to a lot of other physical education topics and taught curriculum and all that sort of stuff as well while I was doing all of that, I was still swim teaching and, and all those sorts of things. And then my ultimate goal was to actually become one of the few Olympic female coaches. So I ended up getting a job at Nudgee Brothers College under Vince Rally. And yeah, absolutely loved working under there, working with some of the top swimmers. I had Emily when she was eight, knew straight away. She was 31.38 seconds for 50 freestyle at eight and went, this kid's going somewhere. Yeah. So you could see that talent and it was really good to learn under the coaches that that next level and things like that. But it just, for me personally, I had a friend that died of cancer. I think I was 28, she was 29. And that just set me in a little bit of a, a spin and just sort of, you know, changed my career a little bit. And I just went, no, nah, can't do this anymore. So I went and got a full-time job in the tax office of all things. <laughs> so... I, well, yeah, I did teach for four years, but I just, they said, oh, we want you to go outback Queensland, which I, I chuckle at now. And I said, no, nah, I don't want to go remote. I'm trying to go up this elite coaching path and said, so if, I, if you're going to force me to go, I quit. So I quit teaching. I was only doing it part-time, so I quit. And then I got the, the job at Nudgee under like Vince Rowley then, which I enjoyed. And then obviously personal reasons, I stopped. So I did, yeah, tax office for three and a half years. And I all through that, I was still doing a little bit of swim teaching and also presenting. 
So I hadn't fully got out of the industry, but I just went, I don't like this other world. And I went, I need to get back into the aquatic industry and I need to get back into it from a community perspective, not the competitive perspective. And so that's when I just started to uh, ramp things up with Oswim. And lo and behold, as soon as I made that mental decision, I kept getting phone calls. We need someone to present here. It's funny how it works. And so I, yeah, it's literally got back in, getting, got pooled to myself, set up a business with someone else and had three pools and 30 staff. And I was doing all the old swim presenting and, you know, again, things, personal life changes. And yeah, so I've ended up out here running the pool out here, still not doing as much old swim presenting as I did. You know, I ended up Ozwim presenting, you know, nationally doing conferences, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, so now I'm not doing as much Ozwim presenting only because of my remoteness, but I pretty much look after a lot of the areas around here, like making sure that the pool lifeguard first aid, Ozwim all trained and stuff like that. So look after this remote community, which means, you know, two and a half hours drive is sort of the next town sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's been an interesting in journey from the 16-year-old that says I don't really like children to, you know, the, obviously the opposite is I do love children. So <laughs> to now you know, making a career out of it where it's taking me to, you know, overseas to courses to Jakarta and, you know, New Zealand and all that sort of stuff. So I've been pretty lucky that it's taken me overseas and I've, I've made a career of it. And I'm grateful for it for when I actually did go through my health journey. It was the thing that kept me going. It was the, it was the industry that supported me. And it, it, like the water does, you know, you, you have these silent little hands that hold you up and support you through that process. And that's exactly what this industry did as well. Yeah. Wow, what a career in swimming going. Like you said, from not sure whether you actually like children to baptism and fire and finding out that you do. <laughs> Gone full circle. Whereabouts in rural and outback Queensland are you? I'm in a place called Quilpie. So it's a town of oh, 700 now, so six 700. And it's located 960 kilometers pretty much west of Brisbane. So if anyone knows sort of Roma, it's six hours from there. If they know Charleville, it's two hours from there. So it's it's quite remote and it's red dirt. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love it out here. Yeah, yeah. And I've you've seen the photos you put on Facebook. It's an amazing area. It is true. Yeah, outback Australia, outback Queensland, what you expect it to be. Do the limitations of being in a rural outback area, does that play a big role in what you do and does it impact your pool and the way you work? I've certainly had to change. I certainly have had to change the way that I deliver classes. The only impact it has from a business perspective is numbers. I I only have a a small amount of numbers to draw from. So from that perspective, you know, I, I hit a cap. But from the teaching perspective, I've had to really change the way that I teach. And in some ways, I've become the lazier teacher because I have a fantastic community and we, we have a free pool, which is it's part of the, the bonus as well, is that my, and we're a very young community at the moment, is that my adults have taken the initiative and actually they bring the kids down to the pool and practice and get them in all the time. Yeah. So what I've found is that 
I'm not teaching the basics anymore. I'm actually refining. I'm refining the kids. Like I'm not having to teach the basics because most of that's already done. They're becoming water confident. They're doing all that sort of stuff because the parents are bringing them down. So I'm very blessed in that fact that I'm not working as hard as a teacher that I used to have to do because all of that's been done for me. The other thing I've had to change is my behaviour management and structure of teaching because these are very strong-willed kids, <laughs> very strong-willed kids. And so there's a little bit more less structure and a lot more sort of guided playing and that's the stuff because they're very, very strong-willed and, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> and do, do I have a 10-minute argument with them or do I just guide them through and we can work it in somehow? So, yeah, so my style of teaching has changed quite a lot coming out here and it's actually a lot more relaxed. It really is. So it's not, you know, uh, I still get tired because, of, you know, 45-degree heat and you're dealing with kids, but it's a completely different structure and a lot more relaxing in some ways with it. So, yeah. Um, and the only other thing we that's completely different is most of my kids at the age of 11 go off to boarding school. So I don't have a very strong squad program simply because I don't have the kids. Yep. So, but we're also in a very young cycle of our community. I, I would put my hand on heart and say there's about 40 kids five years and under in my town. So it's very young, heavy at the moment, which I'm excited about. I'm like, sweet, I get all these little ones and I can teach them from scratch. So so I've implemented into the swim club because I'm the president of the swim club. I've implemented that we actually have races for kids with noodles in the small pool. So we've got a 12-metre 12, 12 pool and a 25-metre. So we actually have uh, races with noodles with kids. So we're actually introducing a lot of the young ones into that club format through 10-metre and 12-metre races, so with noodles, without noodles, and then they progress to the big pool for 15 metres. So we've got that extra progression. So otherwise we'd have 10 kids in the club. That's brilliant. I like that. I like that you've taken that initiative to think ahead and try and get those other kids included. Do you find that they're taking it up and getting involved? Oh, yeah, look, they are. They are. Sorry, just animals who's found a rock. <laughs> it's actually found a desert rock that he's knocking off. I think the uptake is going to be a lot bigger this season because the kids are now sort of hitting that three, four age, three, four, five age group. So I'll probably reckon there'll be a lot more uptake, but definitely as the word gets around. And it's also the other hard bit is a lot of our mums are in in inverted commas single mums because their husbands are truck drivers and stuff like that. So it's just trying to, how do you manage, you know, three or four kids, keep eyes on them and stuff like that. So there's a a little bit of that process that some of the parents are trying to negotiate around and and work that out. But I'm hoping that this season, I I think we're going to have a big boom in the little ones because of that age, the three, four. Yeah. Yeah. Might need to employ a babysitter. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what we do actually is one of the committee members actually jumps in the, the little pool. And she stays in the whole time. So we, because it can get quite cool with the outside temperature and that's heated, that little pool, is we keep them all in the little pool and she stays in the little pool with them while the big kids races, uh, do the races. And so then we have other parents obviously doing their jobs, but the floating parents sort of keep a general eye on the rest of the kids. So we've sort of managed to, to work that out. Yeah, that's good. And I love how a small community can come together like that. Hmm. And we all work together to be able to protect the kids and, you know, get involved and, yeah, help each other out. I think that's fantastic. 
Yeah, and that's what you aim for. So that's the whole thing is get everyone involved and then it's about the kids getting in there and, and doing the swimming stuff. And, you know, and we slowly introduce in the levels the, the technique side of things. So, you know, the little ones, let's just make it from, you know, one end to the other end with a pattern that looks like breaststroke or a pattern that looks like butterfly. Like we don't really care in the end. Yeah. But once they start hitting, go from the 12 metre to the 15 metre, they've got to start to have those sort of the style in there of the strokes. So, you know, we do bring that in as well, but it's just getting them in there and having fun. Yeah, so, getting them in, having fun, using the pool and building that endurance. Yeah, yeah, and, and getting the whole idea of what that club culture is and you know, how it works and how there's certain rules and how they can, you know, it's social with their friends as well and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. That's brilliant to be able to offer that for a, a town, such a small area. It's absolutely fantastic. You can share that with the, the community. Oh, look, the community are good. I just put suggestions in. They drive it all. They're, they're brilliant. They're really good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We all need them. God, I wish I had them. Yeah. i'm blessed i really am blessed with this community they are they're fantastic they're really good and you know have a a facility that's free and they're quite it's beautiful facility as well so you know it's old but it it still does its job so i'm very lucky with the council that i work uh, with that i have the lease under that they're fantastic as well and just a brilliant community so i'm very very lucky that's fantastic makes it easier yeah it does yeah yeah What's the biggest lesson you've learned in your swimming journey so far? Probably the biggest thing is if you're starting to get bored with what you're doing, you need to go and learn something new. It's about taking yourself to that next level. So if you're getting bored, it just means that you're starting to master the level that you're at. And if you truly want to be great at what you do or exceptional at what you've got to do, you've got to challenge yourself and take yourself to a new level of learning. So I'll, I'll give you an example. It's like, you know, when we learn to become a swim teacher, we learn the basics of biomechanics or we learn the basics of, you know, the strokes or whatever or, you know, child development. So it's about going, okay, well, can I learn more about those sections? Can I go more in depth? And it's like, you know, you go through the process of becoming a swim teacher and then going off the infant path going off on the disability path it's then taking those paths and then again going even deeper to those into those areas so for me it's not whether you're a swimmer or whether you're a teacher or whatever it's about going okay if you're getting bored then you need to take a look at yourself and go where I am where am I right now and where do I need to go to and if you've lost the passion for it then you've got to search whether you can get that back by doing something different or whether you actually need to change career so because you know we're in a tough industry in, in from a physical emotional or mental sense is that we're in the water you know what do they say now, every hour we work in the water is equivalent to three hours on land from an energy perspective. And some of us, because you remember, we're pushing through on a fluid, you know, we've got the sun, we've got kids, but we're also pushing on a fluid all the time. So from an energy level, I don't know the exact science on that one, but, you know, you do a three-hour shift, you technically felt like you've done a nine-hour shift, which is correct because you're stuffed. Yeah. So, you know, we've got to remember that. And that's, and I think the other thing, other biggest learning is look after yourself. I pushed myself hard. I was working seven days a week. So I was coaching the normal standard coaching in the mornings and afternoons. I had master swimming on top of that, where I was not only coaching master swimmers, I was swimming as a master swimmer. I was teaching three days a week. I was doing school swimming on the, uh, with another 
business on the days that I wasn't school teaching. So I wasn't stopping and I was not looking after myself in terms of giving myself a break and giving myself a rest and hydrating properly and food. You know, when you're young, you just eat, you know, whatever. I was still pretty still like crap and then yeah so things for me deteriorated because I wasn't stopping to actually look after myself and give myself the rest or food or whatever I needed for my body to keep going at that level and if anything I shouldn't have gone at that level I should have had days off so I think once you get involved in all this stuff it just snowballs I found over my progression in it that you know you take on something else and you take on something else and then next minute you know you're full and I find here over summer like I've never gotten to the point that I don't want to get back into the pool but by the end of summer when I've you know been presenting I've run my own swim school I've trained teachers I've run a I've been president of a swim club been in the water teaching then thinking I've got to take my kids to the pool and at some stage oh my weight loss plan is actually get into the water and swim myself where do I find time to do that you get home and you're just like oh and in March I'm like I need this whole time I'd leave at least a month away and then I start missing it again but you don't you, you get bombarded by everything you do everything you say yes you keep going and it's always over Christmas so you've got all that stuff happening as well And then you suddenly realise, crap, it's taken me over. I haven't had time to rest. I haven't had time to relax. And I think that's part of a lot of swim teachers' natures is they're nurturers. So they do everything for everybody else and they're last on the list. And that's the hardest thing. We have, you know, two buckets. We have a bucket of this, what we call a bucket of love that we, we give to everybody else. And then the second bucket is our own bucket, which is generally empty most of the time. So we need to learn to actually take some of that um, amount of love that we give for everybody else and actually give it to ourselves. So it's really important that we actually do that, you know, that we do take the time to to look after ourselves and, and learn the word no. <laughs> um, you know, you feel guilty for saying no. I was just saying, to you, yeah, sure, I'll do that, sure, that. And I, oh, what happens if I say no? I'm really bad because I let them down, all that sort of stuff. But you're letting yourself down if you don't say no. And then the repercussion of that is you are going to let people down if you don't say no. Mm. And for me, that was the biggest mind shift going, if I continually say yes, I'm going to crash and burn like I did and therefore I am going to let people down and I'm going to let more people down than I really need to. So for me, you know, having that burnout that I did go through, it, it taught me that I need to learn to say no and I need to look after myself to be able to actually give to the people I want to give to. So you have to be a bit more selective as well with that sort of thing because you're human. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think also we get involved in a lot of it is volunteer or a lot of it is, you know, charity or, oh, yeah, we've got a bit of time, we'll do that. And I suppose you forget in a way that your time's valuable what would you be doing with your time if you weren't doing that? Well, you could be something doing something that's paid for. And I think we lose the value of paid work in a lot of aquatic stuff as well. So, you know, that's something you've got to be aware of. When you give, 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 you've got to actually give back to yourself too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And the thing is, unfortunately, our industry, unless you can make it into a career, 
it's a very difficult thing to actually get an income from because you, you whether you've got a seasonal pool or not you know the hours you have to work to make ends meet it's most of the time it's casual you can't get a full-time job so you know most people do have to actually balance it with other jobs and stuff like that or you know most of the time you know with because it's very top heavy with women they've got families they have to balance with as well so and that's one of the things for me is I don't have a family and you know which I'm okay with with that but being able to do what I, I do with a family I did try that for a little bit and it was it was hard that that actually made me sicker um, because I'm trying to do my career in the industry, which takes up a lot of hours and juggle a family at the moment. It was, that, that took a big toll on me. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a tough industry in a lot of different ways, but an exceptionally rewarding one at the other side. And I think sometimes we downplay the toughness because of the rewards we get, and it can be to our detriment. Yeah. we got to find that equal balance of where we can give back and be involved, but also make sure that we're looking after ourselves as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's in normal life as well. Oh, yeah. Everything's about balance. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Everything's about balance. So, and that's what we're all striving to achieve. And I guess the biggest thing for me is that, you know, every day is an opportunity to become the next best version of myself. And sometimes to do that is about letting go. Yeah. That's right. So, what's been the biggest highlight of your journey so far? Oh, golly gosh. <laughs> I guess that there's been a few. Like the people are the big thing for me. I've made some very, very dear friends from the industry that are lifelong friends. The opportunities to go around particularly Queensland and see different parts of Queensland. I've had the opportunity to go to different parts of Australia. I was planning to do more of that, but um, they got stopped, current situation. But, yeah, no, just just the people, like the friendships that I've got from that have been huge and just the kids, like the people that I teach and, and to see them learn and love why I love aquatics, the fun it has and what the opportunities it brings and it's a lifestyle. It's, you know, they can go out in boats, they can do this, they can do that. So, yes, I've been successful with getting some high awards, but I don't have those awards without having all these different groups of people as part of that journey. So for me, it's the people is the yep. biggest thing, biggest highlights. Yeah. I love that. I love it. It's the fact that, yeah, people have influenced you and what you've been able to do because of them and around them and how you've influenced them as well. I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it. Yeah. And it's the whole pay it forward notion is like, you know, I, I heavily invest in the fact that I have a direct impact on the drowning statistics. So for me to have a greater impact on that drowning statistics is by teaching other swim teachers and passing on that knowledge and that passion to go, you know what, you actually have an impact on what you're doing here. You're not just teaching swimming, you are teaching about water and you're teaching the love for it, but also the respect for it. And I can access more children through teaching other teachers because they have access to twice as many people as I do too so yeah yeah one thing I understood as well I did a interview with Tori from she's a marketing manager for swim schools from South Africa and that was one thing she said she said she could expand her own business or she could help others expand through marketing which she knows about and find that they then impact a lot more kids and be able to teach a lot more kids to swim and be safe in the water. So by helping others, she's actually touching the lives of more kids and teaching them the skill 
in her own way, the same as, as presenters. We get more people involved to become swim teachers. They're then passing on that skill as well. Yeah, and it's not just the, the drowning stats for me. It's we have a massive impact on who these kids can become as well. The confidence we build in them, like, you know, we're in an environment that's not safe. So we have to teach them to problem solve. We have to teach them that you need to make it a decision right now because you're going to be in trouble if you don't. So, you know, and also, you know, swimming, because it's a lot harder and not as innate as walking on land, they're going to be making a lot more mistakes. So it's our opportunity as teachers going, yeah, that didn't work. Let's try again. So, you know, it's teaching them it's okay to to make a mistake and keep trying it and that, for one metre that they swim in water, they can run and sprint for four metres on land. So mm. your gains in the water are a lot less physically but so much more from a confidence and an emotional perspective because of what they can achieve. Yeah, and it's amazing how that happens. I don't think we realise it or a lot of realise it, that we're building better humans by being involved in the water. You know, they can come out of water and be confident for the rest of the day and share that confidence with other people but achieve so much stuff just out of one half-hour swimming lesson. Yeah, and you go back to the study that Laurie Lawrence did about, you know, the kids that are uh, that start swimming younger are smarter. And I've always believed that, and it's good that the studies come out because they can't not problem-solve. If they yeah. don't problem-solve in the water, they're underneath it. So so for me, we are teaching smarter kids because they actually have to think, keep themselves above and get themselves to the side. So we're constantly teaching our kids to problem solve. And I don't think our society and the opportunities that our, our kids have to problem solve are as high as what they used to be. There's too much screen time, there's too much this, so they're not getting out and they're not moving and they're not learning to understand their body. So therefore they're not, you know, when they trip over they're not practicing getting back up again so and it's it, also not so intense in everyday life as it is in the pool I mean you've got that problem solving happening so much in that half hour session whereas everywhere else it's not happening that so intense in that short time well yeah which then is a flip side for you teachers if you look at swim teachers we have some very, very amazing skill sets is to be able to build rapport with children in that short time frame based on an environment that can be fearful is that our teachers need to really sit back and acknowledge themselves and the skill sets that they have to be able to do what they do in that short period of time in an environment that is not natural for us as human beings. Mm. So, and that's the thing I, you know, I try and part to my swim teachers. I say to them, if someone says you're just a swim teacher, I give you the permission to give them a slap. You are not, (laughs) you are not just a swim teacher. You're so much more than that. And you're not given credit for that. Um, You've got, you've got a behavior management, you've got a problem solve, you've got a, counsel when they're they're fearful you know and then you've got to know you know your skill sets and your techniques and all that sort of stuff and you, then you've got the communication skills that you've got to deal with the kids and the parents and all that sort of stuff so there's a lot of skills not trying to downplay any other industry but swim teachers need to step up and take ownership that they have some pretty damn good skill sets mm, yeah it's so much to take on also one you can't expect them to take it on that quickly like they can't do one or two day course and find that they have those skill sets it's something also you can teach but a lot of it's inbred in a person as well I think 
to get a good jump on the system, you've got to be a person that's got that innate or some at least some of those innate responses that the rest you can learn to hone. And I think it also is something that you develop over time as well. I mean, or understand over time how it impacts. Hey, same thing I like kid when I first started. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But obviously obviously my my coach saw something in me. I mean, look, I come from a, a household of teachers too. So I, I have a probably an innate ability to educate and teach anyway. And he probably saw that at 16, you don't see that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's true. There is per- certain personalities. But we can't downplay the fact, you know, of what we do do. So, you know, if we're in there, you know, you get a lot of young kids that coming along say, oh, I'm just doing it because I'm going through uni. And I say, that's awesome. We, we are a very important part of our industry is that, yes, you're just doing it for a short period of time. I said, but for every kid that you teach, you're saving their lives as well because of the skills. So take ownership for the time frame that you are in our industry mm-hmm. and, and own that. Don't just do it because you just need a job. Yeah, so, yeah actually take the responsibility on it because yeah you know those four four years that you're going to do it you don't know who you're impacting and what they're going to be able to achieve from it yeah absolutely absolutely so has there been someone that's played a big role in your journey like a mentor or a family member that's made a difference yeah probably my first coach that got me the job and I actually am still in touch with him now so what was I 16 I'm 46 you know, so that's 30 years. So he had a massive, massive impact on me. It wasn't a person that would say things for the hell of it. So when he said you did a good job, you did a good job. I mean, and he was great with saying, yeah, you didn't quite do that so good either. <laughs> but but he wasn't like one that did a lot of that either. So, and, you know, he gave me opportunities and because he saw the potential in me. And so he nurtured that without me actually knowing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And he actually said to me the other day, oh, not, probably last year when I, I caught up with him again, he said, you know, myself and another person, uh, he's, two, he, he's two greatest achievements in the industry. Which wow. is like, oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. So, you know, because of where, you know, I've gone and where, I, you know, where I am now and that the fact that I am respected in the industry and that sort of stuff as well, which it's hard for me to say things like that. But, yeah, people know who I am. They want to come and listen to me and all that sort of stuff. And he he says, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that and that you guys are one of my achievements. The other person was the head of the Paralympic swim team, so Brendan Keogh. So, you know, who, who was my senior club swimmer so so we, we've all grown up and that sort of stuff so he was probably the, the biggest uh mentor for me and with that side of things is to get me through that and you know and funny enough my biggest mentors are the people I teach yeah yeah you can learn so much from them oh they've taught me heaps they've taught me so much you go oh that's a good way to do it yeah 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 even the, even the swim you know, as I said, the, the swim teachers that I've taught or trained as well, they've had a huge impact on me because they come in with that fresh set of eyes too. So yes. so it's hard to really pinpoint, you know, one or two mentors because everybody is if you allow them to be. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I think that's a sign of good communication skills and good understanding rapport building that you can take something out of every person in regards to mentoring you through or a bit of advice they give you or something, you know, or if it's the negative side of what you don't want to do, you've got to be able to communicate with someone to learn about them to be able to take that from Yeah, them. and negative stuff is feedback. 
it's just feedback. It didn't work. Let's go. It didn't work. It didn't feel good. Let's see, make sure we do it again so it feels good and it does work. Yeah. So, and, and that's that's the thing. So for me, I think my original coach that gave me the job and that opportunity was probably my, my biggest mentor. And then, you know, I've been fortunate to have some a lot of different people that are in high level around me. So I've worked on events rally and had a lot of access to some really amazing people that know their stuff. Jan King was, um, she worked at Nudgy as well, amazing technician when it comes to strokes and stuff like that, just exquisite to watch. And so I've been very lucky to have access to you know, a lot of different people. I've, I worked to get through my level two. I worked under Michael Bowl, love Michael Bowl. So I've just been very, very lucky with the people that I've been around. I, and that's the thing, I can't, to list them off, I'll be here forever. Like, there is a lot. There is a lot. I'm just grateful for everybody that's helped me along the journey, good or bad, because, as I said, I've, I've had some bad situations, but that's all part of the process. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You're going to take out of from both of them something from both. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. We might have to do another episode of just those that you've got to thank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there's a lot. I could be, I mean, even just the I'll swim uh, for me, just to, to helping me get through my health. I, I don't think they realise the, the support they gave me, just trying to get up day by day. So there's, there's a lot of different reasons why I've got a lot of people to thank. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I'm glad that's there because you've taken notice and that people have given you the opportunity, but also given back to you for what you've given them as well. I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, like for me now coming out the other side of my health journey, it's to give back to others that because people gave to me and helped my support. So it's that thing that, you know, I might be directly giving back to those that helped me, but I know I can do that to others to help them. Yeah, that's right. You can pay it forward. Yeah. 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 So what advice would you give to a new swim teacher or coach coming into the industry? Uh, probably, you know, for me, I can be straightforward. Blunt. If you're not passionate about it, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number one, it is a tough gig. Like it is a tough, it takes, you know, it's early mornings, it's split shifts, it's in the water, it's with different weather, it's lots of program, lots of outside time because, you know, you've got to prep and planning. Like it's like a teacher role. Your actual teaching is only a small part of what you do. It's the planning and prepping outside of that that's different. For me, it's the biggest thing is the passion. Just Love what you do. Always learn. Always be open to different ways to do things and look after yourself. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't have the passion, you're not going to get out of it as much, I think. You've got to be able to put the passion in to be able to get back the good parts from it. And always learning is what you've spoken out before. If you're bored, you need to find another avenue to learn because yeah. you need to adapt. The industry is always adapting. There's always something new coming out that we've got to understand. Yeah, I went through that process myself. I'm like, what am I doing this for? I've been doing it for 10 years. I've done all the awesome courses. I've done this, I've done that. And then I did, I did a course in NLP and I went, oh, wow, I can actually apply some of this stuff to my kids and understand why they're doing what they're doing therefore start to communicate in their language and that really actually gave me a different focus so when I went back in to teaching again I started to listen to what the kids were saying and I started to use their language and what I found over the years is that my teaching has become better and quicker because it's not just about what I'm teaching it's about the communication I'm using as well. 
yeah, yeah. understand that and I, I was a bit the same I've done a lot of the courses in a short time just because I had that thirst for knowledge I wanted to learn more and develop more also being a regional area you have to have I think a number of skills under your belt to be able to offer a good service yeah 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 and then I did the same I, I went started looking outside the industry and that NLP, NLP work I went in and did that too I think amazing how that just develops and gives you the understanding about how people learn but also how you can progress a person and help them move through a fear and that sort of side a lot easier before it becomes such a big issue and they you know need to be passed on to someone with further Mm. medical training but it's taking those opportunities from outside the industry see what they can develop you as a teacher inside the industry I think it's also quite different for in, for the industry to have young people who are keen to do that side as well. I think from my perspective, if you are young and you are keen to de- develop and understand that sort of stuff, it's normally something that happens over a certain amount of time. And I think it's quite odd, and it could just be me, but it can be quite odd for the industry and for those around to understand someone young coming in and wanting to get to know stuff so quickly Uh, have you found that as well yeah look I think bless our young ones is that they come out going right I've got this degree I want to go to the top notch level I blame credit cards for that it's that instant gratification so therefore I've got this now so I want and swimming is anything but that is you have to take those stepping stones to get that ultimate outcome and it's, you know, yeah, it's great to have everything now, but it's the implementation of those learnings that is the key to the journey. Good point. I like that. Mm. Yeah, you've got to have that patience and that time to sit back and implement it. You can take on so much knowledge, but you've got to actually impart it and teach it. Well, it's not just that. You've got to question it. Yeah, yeah. What, what you've been, and this is the thing, like I, I'm, over the years I've said, okay, why are you teaching that? Why are you teaching it that way? Because I was told to. I went, that's not acceptable. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, it's not acceptable. So why are you teaching? Why are you teaching that from a developmental perspective? Why are you teaching that from a biomechanical perspective? I want you to really understand why you are teaching it and teaching it that way. So if you're teaching something different to me and I say, why are you teaching it that way? I want you to give me those answers because I'll go, sure, that will work. Or go, if you don't know what you're teaching, then it doesn't validate to me why I should take on board what you're doing as well. Mm. Yeah, so for me, it's you've got to implement your knowledge so you find out whether it works or not and then if it works for that specific child because we all know you've got to have 60 different ways to teach one thing. So, and that's why the experience is really, really important because you can have all the knowledge in the world, but it's the practical application of it that really makes you a teacher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely true. So for you, what does swimming look like into the future? I don't know. I'm a bit scared if I could honestly say that. I think it's going to be less and less, unfortunately. There's too many other demands and too many other priorities that are actually happening. And I think it becomes a massive cost thing as well, is that because it, swimming has become such a commercial commercial thing to do that people are now having to make a choice of where they put their money. 
being brutally honest. All of us diehards know it has to be done. Everyone has to do it. But the reality of it, not everyone can afford to. So that's the hardest thing is then the roll-on effect of that is that what is it doing to our Olympic swimmers? We're not getting access to those potential Olympic swimmers as much as because our kids are doing the mandatory lessons in in school and that's it, we're done, we're finished. So I do worry about that in terms of how many people are going to be putting kids in swimming lessons because of cost factors and all that sort of stuff. Everything keeps increasing and, like, we're up to anywhere from $20 to $30 per lesson. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. some of us were a bit less than that still because of where we are, but that's still a massive chunk. That that one lesson, that half-hour lesson is equivalent to one hour's worth of work. That's a, I've never thought of it in that perspective. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's the hard, hard thing is that, you know, there's a lot of other priorities and stuff like that. So solutions? No idea. No. <laughs> Government funding? We've tried that. Yeah, look, yeah. it's a hard it's a hard thing. Like, oh, I struggle. You know, I charge $16, $17 for my lessons here. And the town was a bit shocked with that because I thought it was too much. And then I said, oh, we don't want city prices. No, they're not city prices. Believe me, they are not city prices. But I have to run a business too. Yeah, and yeah. that's yeah, that's it, yeah. I find as well, I have that in my area. Like I can, I've got two schools of thought where I am. I charge $10 a lesson, but I only do it for eight weeks. So it's $80 for the program and it's just the swimming program. I have teachers that come in with me and, oh, you could do this. What about timing and what about, you know, we could set them up with this stuff and we could run this program. I'm like, yeah, but you're going to have to start charging them more. And one school of thought is that $80 is enough. You know, we, we don't want you to put it up. And then I get other people saying to me, oh, you need to put your prices up. You need to put them up. And I have this bind of do I leave it low and get more people through the program or do I put it up high and get exclusivity through the program it's not then catering my value of wanting to teach as many people as I can now ten dollars is very low but they have to then travel 45 minutes to a program that is you know 200 and something for the 12 weeks or a 10 week term so you know they've got that choice they can go and mine's only quite short but it does give them that time in the water and that quick teaching of the skills as well. What's the population of the town? Now you got me. I don't quite know. I think it's yeah. seven or eight hundred. That's the other thing that I had to weigh up too is that the population of 600, my classes are never full. Mm. So I had to weigh up then, okay, my cost of staffing that is a lot higher so I need three people in that class to cover well two two people in the class to cover cost at $16 a lesson yeah just to cover costs yeah, and that's insurance work cover superannuation wages buying equipment everything we have to do I need two people to cover a cost and then make a little bit of profit on top yeah. So, and, and that's the hard thing you've got to weigh up at, at the amount I'm charging. Like, it seems like a lot, but I don't make much from it. Yeah. And that's it. And that's the thing. Like, I have, because mine's only seasonal, I don't, my equipment doesn't deteriorate that much. That yeah. too. Well, yes. that, yeah, you've got season on top, but my equipment doesn't deteriorate that much. I'm in a lucky position so I can continue using equipment and it still looks brand new when it comes out the next time. 
I have no overheads as long as I run during the actual pool opening times. There's no higher charges. So all I've got really, uh, no real overheads because we live on a farm and a lot of that's claimed from the farm and stuff like that. So wages are my biggest thing and, you know, your memberships and your licences and all that stuff. So I'm in a really unique position, which a lot of other people aren't when they run a swim school. Yeah, and and for me, I'm probably a little bit more expenses than you, but at the same time, I don't get income from the entries to the pool. So yes, I get paid an income from the councils like a lot of towns do, but I don't get entry. So a lot of my other colleagues get their entry on top. So it's like, where's the balance here? And you literally have to, in, in our situations, go, right, this is the public swimming side of things. And this is how much is allocated for that. And then this is the learn to swim side of things, my school swimming program. So I need to treat that as a separate standalone business and charge accordingly so and it's hard to justify to people and number one I shouldn't have to anyway Mm. because I'm trying to run a business here I I need to also cater for the fact that I am not working for four months of the year because then it's also hard to get a job for four months of the year so we have to expand that out for the 12 months because we still have bills to pay in that four months we still got to pay the work cover insurance and all these different things they aren't prorated to the swim season they are for 12 months yep you still got to survive you still got to be able to live and do the things that you want to be able to do you still be able to feed your pets yeah yeah absolutely so you know for the swimming industry it's a tough one because I want to charge as cheap as I can, but I'm not going to do it to my own detriment either. So I've got food on the table. But because everything else is going up, we have to put it up. And therefore, how many people are we leaving out? And like I've tried to run programs as well for the people that do have financial constraints. Free yeah. lessons, done work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can work. run it and are you going to change their mind to come? No. Yeah, and I've offered uh, subsidised programs and all those sorts of stuff, but I can't get them there. Yeah. So you got to do what works. Yeah, what you can do to survive and keep pushing through. Yeah, as long as I've reduced the number of kids going to the river <laughs> or I've improved their skill set for when they do go to the river, then I'm doing my job. That's right, yep. So this one I think you've sort of already answered But how can we as an individual and an industry promote and develop learn to swim and the competitive swimming to encourage more participants? And is there a way of doing that with less funding? We've just got to make it fun. You know, we've got to, not to the extent where we're cutting out the rules, like I I must admit the whole participation thing when we do have carnivals drives me nuts i'm sorry but it's a competition there's a first second and third we do have points for you participating but where everybody gets a medal or all that sort of stuff no i'm sorry like it's reality here first second or third not disqualifying kids so where are we teaching them the rules around things like you can bring it in at certain points in clubs and stuff like that but not to have it at all i think what are we we're not teaching kids that things in life have rules But in general, it's just getting people to enjoy it and taking the pressure off, but also providing the opportunity to go competitive. Like you've got to have that balance. You've got to have that balance. 
you know, I think having a free venue from us is fantastic for our community. You know, we got 600 people in town and my average gate entry is eight and a half thousand in an eight month season. Oh, yeah. It gets used a lot. A lot, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what you want. You might have, not everyone in the town comes to the pool, but we have a lot of users that come multiple times. That's what it's there for. I'm lucky because it's free, but imagine having that where you're paid entry. You're not going to get that. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I don't know. That's a long question and a lot to answer. And yeah. It's a, another one, maybe another episode into itself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, that is the last of my questions. I always end in the doozy. I think it's there's a lot of people out there that come up with ideas that aren't, and maybe it doesn't work in their facility or they're not being shared around. And it was just a point of being able to give those people a stage to be able to say, well, have you tried this or can, would this work somewhere else? And people listening can take those opportunities. It's like anything, like, you know, every facility is designed differently. And yeah. so when, you know, us as leasees, we have to risk manage based on our facility. It's exactly the same from a business perspective. We need to do that risk management for our business based on what our business is, where it has its location, its geography, its population, all that sort of stuff. So there is no one size fits all. You know, I used to have three different pools. We couldn't run the same structure at each different pools because we had different suburbs with different socioeconomic situations and things like different pool temperatures different sizes it's one of those things you can have a base idea of what you're doing but you've got to adapt to your clientele that's the biggest thing that's it and what works for your clientele may not work for the you know the town down the road or the facility down the road Yeah, as I said right at the beginning, I had to change my way of doing things from what I did in the city to out here because completely different clientele. It took me three years to get a system that I think is actually working because I had to learn the community and the community had to learn me. So it's that process and and hopefully, um, you know, I'm in my fifth year now, so hopefully we're there and I want to stay here much, much longer. But you just got to go with the phone. That's the other thing. A lot of us are constrained by our contractual stuff as well Mm. is three years in the industry is actually not enough so to be able to make a difference some people are on a year-by-year contract so it's very hard to do planning based on that so some people that own their own swim schools are very very fortunate because it's theirs they don't have that stress of going okay I want to implement this plan but I've only got one or two years left yeah. And I don't know what's happening. So it, it is so individual to, to base to your situation. You've just got to change and cater. Yeah. And I think also in our industry, but it's emphasised a lot in the rural and regional areas that you go into a community and if you're not born and bred there, they've got to get used to you and they've got to know what you stand for and what you're about. And are you actually going to fit in? Are you going to help the community? Or are you just going to impart your ways on? And especially if you're a city slicker coming out, they have that where it's a prejudice or a different understanding. So that's something else also that you have to combat with before you actually get in and get involved. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And often if you're not born and bred there, you're never going to fit in. Yeah. Um, And that's the reality of it because you're not part of that community. But the thing is, as long as I think I am, then I will be. <laughs> you know? so, 
and I will do the best I can for the community because I moved here to be part of the community. So I can only do that to the best of my ability, whether I get accepted or not. I can't focus on that because that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to bring something to the community. I'm here to care. Like I I teach those kids as though though they're my own. I take care of them as though they're my own and that's who I am. Whether I'm accepted or not, I can't control that. Very good point. I like that. Thank you so much for taking the time to be involved and such great insights and I think new perspectives as well, looking at it and adapting to it. So thank you for your time. My pleasure and thanks for doing this too. (laughs)